The Fremont Local Food Hub podcast is made possible by the Lost Wells Cattle Company. They're committed to providing you with a premium beef product right here in Fremont County. So when you're looking for a juicy, tender, delicious cut of Wyoming beef, think of Lost Wells Cattle Company. They're located at 190 Dirt Road, just off 8 Mile Road, or just southeast of Midvale. You can contact the boys at 307-850-2129 or visit LostWellsCattleCompany.com. And don't forget to like their Facebook page. This is Jack Schmidt with the Riverton Local Food Hub Podcast. Each week we try to keep you up to date on what's local, what's fresh, and what's going on in the local food economy here in Riverton, Wyoming. So so this week we've been dealing with government inspection. That's always tough. Nobody wants to be told what to do, even when it's what they should be doing, I guess. The Consumer Health Service had their inspection last week, like we told you, and they they said we had our hand washing sink in the in the wrong spot. Well, that didn't make much sense because it's been in that dang spot for twenty some years. But Linda Stratton, who's the head of Consumer Health Services, called this morning. Nice lady, and and explained to me that what had happened is there's been people in the past using that facility in the wrong way. They had used those sinks for the wrong purpose, and that's. She explained about cross-contamination. You don't prepare food in the same sink that you wash your hands in. That made sense even to me. And they wanted to change between owners, between the people that got the license up there, they want to change that layout to maybe eliminate the possibilities for those abuses. So anyway, after I had a chance to settle down a little bit and and think about it, I kind of know she's right. The, the law says that a hand-washing sink needs to be conveniently placed. And you know for it to be convenient up there, there really needs to be a couple of them. One of them can't be convenient for both sides of the restaurant. So, looks like if the city's agree agrees, we'll, we'll comply. But it kind of all boils down to money, doesn't it? On the local food front, it's supposed to snow again up high this weekend. Our little short growing season's rapidly coming to an end. Two more farmers markets at the Riverton City Park the next two Wednesdays. So come on down, stock up all you can. The Saturday market will be moving indoors at the fairgrounds when the weather gets bad. So local food will still be available, but just not as convenient. Which brings us right back to the food hub. You know, one of the proposed spokes or projects for our hub was a full-time indoor market. Now, if that's something you might be interested in, either in doing it or supporting it, just go to the website, rivertonlocalfoodhub.com, and check out that spoke and see if there's something there you might be able to help with to get a full-time farmer's market going. Our guest today at the Riverton Local Food Hub podcast runs the Continuing Education Program at Central Wyoming College. So we want to welcome Michael Cosmo. Is I'm saying that right? You're saying it right. I'll be darned. Uh, Michael's from Jackson, and he's affiliated uh, with a. Mike, Michael, you explain it. You'll explain it a lot better than I will. So 
explain to us the program that you're here talking about. Absolutely. So I'm the director of college and career readiness at uh, Central Wyoming College, um, which oversees adult education and ESL courses. Um, we have outreach centers in Jackson, in Lander. Uh, Thermopolis is coming soon, also Fort Washakie. And uh, we are um, housed uh, at the main campus center in Riverton. Okay. Okay. And the program is? We teach adult education. So we get uh, uh, um, young adults and, and um, non-trad adults ready for high school equivalency. Um, so they're, they're earning their diploma through the HiSET program. And then we also teach English as a second language to students um, over in Jackson. Um, and uh, a little bit of tutoring here and there. Okay. Yeah. And now we're a lo we're a local food thing, so let's trans get this back into the food arena. And I know you do a lot of work in Jackson with the uh, 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 Jackson Hole uh, Food Rescue. Is that the name of it? It is. Yeah. So there's 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 pro you have to be have adequate nutrition to have nat adequate to learn. Yes. So that's what you're you're looking at. Yeah, so the big trend for us right now is noticing that students, when they come to class, are ready to learn and that we have employees and teachers who are ready to teach. And so that's not the issue. The issue is that a lot of life obstacles are coming up for the students. Those obstacles include food, transportation, child care, mental health counseling, accommodations. Those are the reasons that they're stopping attending class. So um, it's not anything to do with like their learning capability, which I think traditionally that's what we all think. So, uh, and this has been backed up by student surveys that we've done. You know, they're naming um, food and transportation as the two biggest obstacles to their own learning. In that order? In that order. So when a student comes to us and they want to succeed in school, it's really not anything to do with the curriculum. It's about food. And so we've been trying to um, have a little bit of food in the classrooms each day. Um, so in Jackson, we have evening classes and uh, they're ESL classes. And obviously those are, you know, mostly um, Latinos. Sure. And in Jackson, uh, most of the Latino population um, can be traced to the Tlaxacala region of Mexico. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So it's, I think it's well over 75% of the folks there come from that region um, by word of mouth, families coming over. Sure. Um, you go where your friends go. You go where your friends go, absolutely. So uh, all of our classes are in the evening for ESL, and when they come, um, they are often coming from jobs or from picking their kids up from school, and they don't have time to get food or they don't have food. Right. So we partnered with the Jackson Hole Food Rescue, who, which is a great organization. And they gather um, food from a variety of places, such as grocery stores, um, a lot of the bakeries, some catering companies. And they package that up and uh, it's available for delivery or for pickup. So, like, for instance, I'll give you a little bit of a, the routine. Last Monday, I went over. Um, at about four, picked up food. Uh, we had three big boxes that were in their their fridge. Um, I just drive over there, pick it up, take it to the Center for the Arts where we have mm -hmm. our CWC Jackson Center, and set it up for students. And they come in at six thirty, and uh, we had those three you know 
really great boxes of food that had all kinds of stuff. It, it had some um, um, dry products, so like crackers and chips, and then it had um, pre-made salads from a local grocery store mm-hmm. that, you know, phenomenal food. And then probably the world's greatest mac and cheese that I've ever had from a local <laughs> catering company. I had one bite just to see what it was like. It was fabulous. Um, and we put that out, and all three boxes were gone uh, that evening. So that's a lot of food. It served about 25 students. And it's food that would have gone to waste if it hadn't been put to that use, yeah, probably. Most some of kind. it. Yeah. yeah, I think yeah. we could say that. And so so let's talk about that just a minute in case yeah. people aren't aware. They say that 40% of our food that is wasted, uh, and that's the stuff that hits the shelves. Uh, it's even more than that for the stuff that's in the field. And, and not gleaned, but 40% of the stuff that hits the shelves then goes to waste somehow. And it's the, it's the sell-by date, and this, uh, because that's, that's very confusing, isn't it? Uh, the sell-by date is not the date it goes bad. Right. So a lot of the food I think that we had there that night, um, let's say three-quarters of it, was stuff that a grocery store couldn't sell anymore but had not gone bad, and it was to be honest, it goes right from one refrigerator to the Whole Food Rescue refrigerator. So there's no issue there. And then the students take it that night. So, it, I mean, this is stuff that was in a grocery store, probably some of it less than 24 hours before the students get it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, absolutely. I think if Whole Food Rescue didn't exist, um, that food would just be tossed out. And Correct. I think in a lot of places, perhaps like Riverton, um, Lander, I don't know, but I think that that stuff gets tossed. It does. It goes to the landfill. Now we, And that's that's exactly why I wanted to talk to you, Michael. Maybe there's a way to, to transmit that, to tra- translate that down into into this area just by people being aware of it and, and knowing that, the, that there is a need and there is a source. We just need to do it, don't we? Yeah, there really is. So... Um, we have about 25 to 50 students per day in, in Riverton okay. and about 25 to 50 students per day in Jackson, depending on our class schedule, right? So you figure if we were um, purchasing food, uh, it would be a minimum of $50 to purchase some kind of snack item for everybody. And that wouldn't go very far. Would it, it wouldn't go very far, but that's, that's what I've kind of identified as a minimum. And... Um, we just don't have the budget in the adult education program. It's a state budget. We don't have money to distribute for food and the college, you know, with all the shortages in the state budget doesn't have money to just buy food for everyone. It's just not possible. Um, and so we can't really buy it. So there is that niche of, we have an audience of students who need food and we can look around the community for ways to find other angles to provide food. So, there are these food rescue opportunities, but I guess one of the reasons I wanted to come on this podcast is maybe we can start to get the word out that we can make connections with local businesses, bakeries, pizza places, different uh, food outlets that might be willing to share some of their food, whether it's stuff that we rescue or stuff that they just have extra or stuff that they want to donate. And that falls right into our wheelhouse for the for the Riverton Local Food Hub because we are in the process of getting a kitchen. So, and that's one of the one of the spokes of our hub. Uh, one of the most popular spokes is for people, well, what do we do with this food that's getting tossed out? There's gotta be a place to put it. So maybe there, if, if people wanna come in and, 
help uh, uh, with this project, we could start a spoke where that, that food could come in, be made into meals. Yes. Uh, not, it, the way, what you're talking about there, what you do at Whole Foods, wonderful, but it's kind of happenstance. It, it, you're, you're just luck of the draw. Actually, we could make this thing into pre-prepared meals and bring it out for the number of students. So that would be just a great way to utilize uh, that food. And, and like you say, it's not only out-of-date food, but the caterers always have stuff left over. I think that's a great idea because a lot of the food, if I'm really honest, a lot of the food that we're distributing to students right now is snack items. Pre-prepared, pre-prepared. highly processed. Exactly. And we're not really contributing to the long-term health of a student. We're just helping them get through the day. You know, rather than having no food, we're giving some food. Right. I love the idea of preparing meals and so that we're really contributing to the whole lifestyle change of a student. So while we're preparing them for a new career and a new education path, we're also maybe establishing a new sense of health, which would be fantastic. Exactly. And, you know, we, we just learn when we feel We learn better when we feel better. Yeah. I, and, I, and younger people are really, really aware of the impact that food has, much more than my generation. They are. Um, and my generation as well. I, I think that uh, what I'm seeing so far in Riverton, for example, is we have a lot of students who are, um, you know, in their late teens, early 20s. That's just happens to be the mix right now. Um, the food creates a positive energy. It creates positive health in each individual. And I, after only a couple of weeks, we already see a great sense of community. So we can't undervalue the sense of community that sharing a meal uh, creates. So when everyone comes in at 8.30, can talk a few minutes, um, share some food, get to know one another. It's so much more natural than starting out with math problems. Yes. Oh, I love you. You know, that sense of community, that really is what, Huge. that's how we got started. We had a couple of meetings with some beans and some cornbread. And that's, you know, you just, it's that, it's, it, it stimulates the conversation and it stimulates ideas it and it stimulates education. It does. Um, uh, I had a, someone in my life uh, told me this and I, I, I really believe it. All great conversations happen around a meal and you can create that by going in reverse if you create a great meal you can create great, great conversation yeah oh i like that i like that and let's take that just a little bit farther because we're out here in production country and what we right. our goal is to get more local food into the local system we actually we want to step back 60 years to where we're we're consuming what we produce and what we said the 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 40 percent is the processed food there's a lot of food that stays in the field that never gets there for one reason or another either either it's imperfect or it's at the end of a row or, or whatever and those things now you can get fresh local food and add them to those meals and then you've really had a, another additional impact onto those kids yeah i would love that uh, for me in my personal life i try to eat all local food so i'm a hunter um and i go to farmers markets and try to eliminate anything that i buy from a store that's been my goal on a personal level unfortunately that's what you have to do isn't it it is you can't trust the big guys no, that's, that's hard yeah. it's a terrible thing to say but uh, it, they're very efficient and they make for very cheap food but it's not cheap. necessarily good food no no and so if i live by that kind of um discipline um 
it's something that maybe I'd like to inspire in students. You know, they don't have to do it, but maybe that's a concept also that they don't know that much about. And I've, I've seen that more in Fremont County than in Jackson. Um, I, I was reading this fascinating study um, that came out in March about county health rankings, and I think a lot of people have seen it. It was done by the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation in partnership with the University of Wisconsin. Um, um, and they studied uh, all of the Wyoming counties for health. And uh, Teton County is the number one healthiest county, and Fremont County is the last 23rd county in the state in terms of health. Wow. Yeah, yeah. so that, that and, and those are actually adjoining counties, which is fascinating also. And, and both counties, the, the CWC serves. Yes. So you got the top and the bottom. Yes, so we have the top and the bottom, so we see the full range. And I think over in Jackson, um, if I can say generally, people understand food and health and the connection. And I think generally in Fremont County, that's more of a challenge. Um, I, I, I think, and I, I, I really think the more I, longer I get into this, we understand it. We just don't have access. That's true. Yeah. We knew we, we need for, for people like you and for organizations like what we're doing to get that word out. I think so. And, you know, maybe with my students, you know, they, they understand it and they don't have access. And I think that's fair to say, um, and it's really difficult to to make that jump, that that link, that, uh, where you can find food for students that they have a choice between something good rather than just something cheap. Yeah, and they'll 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 take the good stuff. But you're exactly right. There's so many young people that I know that have to eat off the dollar menu. Oh, for sure. You know, it's just, that's sad. Yeah. So we need, we need a local dollar menu, don't we? We do. We need a local dollar menu. And I would say like over 85%, over, over 85% of our students um, probably don't have enough money to, to make that choice. They just have to go with what is um, adequate. Right. Right. So, and, and so you're, do you think that there would be enough from the food banks from that to, to satisfy this need, or are we going to have to supplement somehow, get some kind of a financial package, which would be great, wouldn't it, where we could really do it right? I think both. I really think both. Um, in Fremont County, I'm having a tough time, you know, scrounging around for food um, to supply for our students. Um, a lot of the places, there's already, like, some established yes. donation chains. Yep. And, and you don't really want to disrupt those right. because those are serving other, other folks. So, and, and, and those are successful. And so you have to almost create a new, <laughs> a new uh, avenue of, of disbursement. So I'm, I'm doing that. I'm in the process of that. I'm trying to find different places that will donate to us. Um, and then I think there's that second level that you mentioned where you really need to just find money so that you can uh, purchase good food for students um, where the gaps might be with what's donated. So let's talk about that just for a minute. We were talking earlier about uh, uh, about food as medicine, and there might be something in the new farm bill that uh, that addresses that. Yeah, I think um, the farm bill is a fascinating uh, piece of legislation. Um, each time it's uh, negotiated in the um, in Congress, it uh, takes on a new dynamic. And they're um, starting that process now. And um, I think that anytime you can 
somehow supply better food for certain groups, that is a good thing. But I think that uh, the farm bill often gets politicized and changed and, and becomes um, something that doesn't really match the food needs of everybody. And, 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 and it's in the, you know, it's kind of silly that it's in the farm bill, really, that this uh, supplemental nutrition, the, the old food stamps, yeah. are, are yeah, that's the biggest part of the food bill is yeah. that supplemental nutrition. And I don't think very many people know that, that the farm bill includes food stamps and is probably, I mean, you, I don't know what the percentage is, but it's it's more than fifty, isn't it? I think it's close to eighty. Yeah, it's big. It's big, and and but that's wherever it is, uh, and that's one of the big uh, uh, things I have against it is that you ha- it's it's all raw food. You can't buy pre prepared food with it. Which in this, where we could literally uh, uh, target uh, somebody that needs a certain kind of nutrition. With a prepared meal, prepared good meal, mm-hmm. and and if they if that law comes about, maybe we'll get some help to pay for it uh, uh, through that new program. Yeah, I think um, you know on a general level, I think what's really fascinating is that uh, young people, maybe thirty and below, the same kind of millennial range that we often refer to, they're really changing the way they look at food. And um, I think if they can influence things like the farm bill, and maybe that doesn't happen this time, but in five years' time or ten years' time, that would be really important. And I think that's happening. I think we're seeing that. And I think that gets me back full circle to the whole point of of, um, why education is maybe not working right now. It's not the education that's not working. It's people don't have access to these other quality of life issues that um, are really impacting how they get to school. And just the fact that you who are in charge of this program realize that makes it come for full circle. It I does. Love, I it love does. that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and I think, um, I think in other places it's maybe not so urgent. Like, I don't know if it's so urgent in Seattle that I think food access is really not a problem there. Um, but here, um, in Fremont County and in Teton County, food access is really difficult. The, the, the course of the reservation is designated as one of the larger food deserts in the world. And it sure the heck is, Yeah, you know, and there needs to be, uh, there's so much need out there uh, that we, we need to start. So let me, let's throw this out that, that there is a need there. There, there is the, the solution already here. We just need people to step in and start a program to do it. They did it in Jackson Hole. I kind of think we could do that in River. I don't see why not. I think it would be easy, fantastic. We have the need. We have the people. We just have to connect them. So I would I would invite people to go to the website. It's uh, uh, RivertonLocalFoodHub.com, uh, and we're going to put a, 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 a put Michael's link up on this. And if you'd like to participate, if you got an idea. Uh, that will help with this. We might start a spoke and get something going. How would that be? Yeah, I think that sounds great. I think if you want a specific way to help within your community, a few dollars, a few bits of food, uh, making that commitment. A few hours up there doing it. Absolutely. And that's what I've found. People are so willing to help. They just don't know how to do it. When you provide them the opportunity, they'll help. So let's provide them the opportunity. That sounds good to me. All right. Michael, we really appreciate it. Been talking to Michael Cosmo. Thank you, sir. Thank you. You know, in our our zeal to keep everything just as clean as we possibly can, sometimes we forget about how things were different 100 years ago. There wasn't two hand-washing sinks at the old chuck wagon. In fact, 
they were darn lucky to have any place to wash up at all because water was pretty scarce in many parts of the country. So just to remind us of this, I got a poem today that kind of describes how some of those old chuck wagon cooks could have been. This is by Mike Logan from Helena, Montana, entitled Old Cookie. Now, old Cookie was some ugly, and he surely weren't no rose. If you lost him in a stampede, you could find him with your nose. Cookie wasn't scared of water. Shoot, he used it every day, making coffee, beans, and biscuits. But in wa- to washing it, no way. Now, I ain't faulting Cookie. He could surely wrestle grub. But he'd get just plain insulted at the mention of a tub. Cookie's apple pie was heaven. It just seemed like some angels blend. Punchers put in their photo for seconds, but they always ate upwind. Cookie's wagon, it was spotless. The plates and cups were shiny clean. <clears throat> but you just mentioned bathing, and old Cookie got plumb mean. You really can't blame Cookie. You only had one shirt, and you never knowed which part was cloth and which was grease and dirt. I roped a skunk for Cookie once. Just did it for a joke, but when I drug, drug him up a cookie, well, I thought that skunk would choke. We lost old cookie last year at a crossing on the Platte. The chuck wagon tipped over midstream. We only found his hat. Old cookie never learned to swim. A fa- fact too late found out. Of course, I always thought if watered right, old cookie'd probably sprout. He's likely making pine trees now with needles long and green. He lived his life with one old shirt, but he met his maker clean. For the Riverton Local Food Hub, this is Jack Smith. The Fremont Local Food Hub podcast is made possible by the Lost Wells Cattle Company. They're committed to providing you with a premium beef product right here in Fremont County. So when you're looking for a juicy, tender, delicious cut of Wyoming beef, think of Lost Wells Cattle Company. They're located at 190 Dirt Road, just off 8 Mile Road, or just southeast of Midvale. You can contact the boys at 307-850-2129 or visit LostWellsCattleCompany.com. And don't forget to like their Facebook page. (laughs) 